0: What is up, everybody? This is Jim mylock and you're listening to Pod of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not they should a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're talking about former MLB shortstop Jose Reyes, whether or not he belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and joining us in just a moment to discuss Reyes' career and Hall of Fame candidacy is the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, Matt Musico. But before I bring Matt on, let's talk a little more about Jose Reyes. So Jose Reyes had a 16-year MLB career from 2003 to 2018, spent a majority of his years with the Mets, 12 years with the Mets, uh, a year in Miami, three years in Toronto, and uh, I think just a few games in Colorado one season. So not even a full season in Colorado, uh, but we think of him as a Met. And and he had a really great career with the Mets. You know, he won the 2011 NL batting title, batting 337. He's a four-time All-Star, led the NL in triples four times, stolen bases three times, hits once, and also won a silver slugger. First career, he had 2,138 hits, 387 doubles, 131 triples, which is 78th all-time. But if you look at, you know, back when baseball started, triples were very common when home runs were not. Um, If you look since 1947, since Jackie Robinson broke into Major League Baseball, 1947, ninth most triples in MLB history, Jose Reyes. So 131 is a lot. Also had 145 home runs, 719 RBIs, 517 stolen bases. So 33rd all time there. And it was a career 283 hitter with a 334 on base, a 427 slugging, and a 761 OPS with a 103 OPS plus. Uh, Jose Reyes came on the ballot for the very first time this year um, since he would just retired back in 2018. So this is his first year on the ballot. Uh, and again, one of the best base stealers and triple hitters we've ever seen. And Matt and I today are going to discuss his candidacy um, as well as his career. And it was really fun with Matt. We love having Matt on. He's been on a few times to talk about former Mets players. And I thought he was the perfect person to bring on for Reyes. Now, before I bring Matt on, one other thing I want to call out here um so i haven't really announced this yet i'm gonna announce this over the next several pods in case people aren't listening so i apologize if you're a religious weekly listener you're gonna to have to hear this spiel a couple times over the next several weeks uh but i just want to let all my listeners know i am going um out of the country for a, a bit of time starting actually leaving this thursday i'm going to out to australia uh gonna go watch the a uh, few days of the australian open uh gonna be in sydney and i'm gonna be kind of going all over New Zealand, both uh, the South and North Island for several weeks. So I actually won't ba- be back in Chicago until uh, well after the Super Bowl uh, is over. So I'm going to basically miss the whole all the NFL playoffs. Uh, I'm going to miss when the Football Hall of Fame 2024 class is announced, when the Baseball Hall of Fame class is going to be announced. Basically, I'm going to be missing a lot of stuff. Uh, but here's what I got to tell you. One, right, it's 2024, I'll have my phone there. I will be able to tweet and and keep up with sports as much as I can out there, so that'll be pretty good. There will also still be a podcast every single Monday. Uh, I am not going to be recording while I'm in Australia New Zealand, that's a lot, but I am uh, just wrapping up now a ton of pods that I've been kind of, you know, doing over the last several weeks so that I still have a podcast to drop every Monday. So I won't be able to talk about what's going on in the sports world topically, but I will have an episode for you every Monday, so nothing to worry about. Now, uh, Hall of Fame Market Watch, my regular Friday segment. I haven't done it the last several weeks. Um, Just the holiday schedule is kind of a mess. Uh, There will be one out this Friday. But while I am in Australia and New Zealand, I will not be putting out any uh, Hall of Fame Market Watch episodes on Friday just because, again, yes, I will have my phone, and yes, I will have an idea of what's going on here. But I will not be watching games regularly. Australia is like 17 hours ahead of Chicago time. It's 19 19 hours ahead in New Zealand. I'm going to be so off. Um, I will not be able to be watching sports um, frequently enough to be really giving it my all on those Fridays. So no Hall of Fame Market Watch after this Friday. This Friday will happen. Then it will be off for about four to five weeks uh, until I get back stateside. Uh, But I will have an episode for you every Monday. And we got some great football episodes coming up, some good baseball episodes coming up. Got a really good Pot of Fame book club episode coming up. So a lot of fun stuff coming your way. So I just want to give everyone a heads up. Again, you're going to hear a bit of this spiel for the next couple of weeks. Then I'll kind of lay off, but I'll still be active on Twitter. You will still have episodes every Monday. Uh, and I will come back from that trip and tell you all a little bit about it. Because whenever I travel for a bit of time, which I do you know, every several years here, I like to give a little you know, log pod. And again, if you're here just for the sports, you can skip that one, that's fine. Uh, but that is my little spiel there. Um, again, you will not miss a Monday pod. I haven't missed in well over three years. I'm not about to start now, but with the quick facts out of way on what's going to be happening in the next you know five, six weeks here and the quick facts out of the way about Jose Reyes, let's bring on Matt. All right, so I'd like to welcome... Back to the podcast today, the creator of MLB Daily Dingers, Matt Musco. Matt, welcome back. Happy New Year. How you been? Happy New Year, Jim. I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing great. So, um we are recording this January 5th. Um all of the Hall of Fame ballots have had to be turned in by now, but the the reveal of, you know, people posting on Twitter, now Mr. Dibs putting things up. It's still trickling in. I think there's only about 110 maybe confirmed votes out there. So that's all trickling in. The announcement will happen pretty soon. So I am still scrambling to get some of these names out there and talk about these players, and that is why you are here today, Matt. We are talking about one of the first-time players on the ballot this year, and that is former MLB shortstop Jose Reyes. We're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about his Hall of Fame candidacy. And and Matt, you've been on this show a few times before. Um, and I always start my guests off with an easy question to kind of kick it off here. But if you hear the name Jose Reyes, or you know, his name gets brought up, or you see, you know, a Reyes jersey walking around New York, um, you know, what's the first thing that's come to your mind? Well, Jose
1: he debuted during a very impressionable time during my baseball fandom. I would think I was like a sophomore in high school or something like that. So it was like a couple of years, he debuted in 2003, a couple of years after they went to the World Series and they were kind of like in this rebuilding phase, the Art Howe years where they were kind of really not that great and hoping for the future. And Reyes was like this first like beacon of light for like what was potentially to come with him and David Wright. Um, so there, I mean, there are always a couple of things that come to mind, but I think you know thinking about Jose legging out a triple that was one of the most exciting things to watch in a game that that was always a lot of fun and then what uh SNY announcer Gary Cohen coined as a Reyes run uh, is something else that i think about you know Jose getting on base in some way stealing second and or third and just using his speed without a lot of balls being put into play to actually get the Mets on the board. Um, he's really a dynamic player, which we'll talk about, especially for a very, like, really short period of time for his peak. Uh, and he brought something to the Mets that the Mets haven't, haven't really had before him and, for the most part, haven't really had after him either.
0: Yeah, I mean, so... Matt, you and I are roughly the, the same age. I, I think I might be a year or two younger than you, possibly. Um, but we're not going to get into that. But yeah, we don't need to get. You, you're, 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 you're you're exactly right. When when I was getting into, you know, I I was born '89. I'm I'm 34 today. And when when Rays came to the league, I was about 13 years, 13, 14 years old. Um, and fancy baseball was huge for me. And I had been a Cubs fan since day one as a Chicago kid. But, you know, it through middle school and into, you know, high school, I started to really know every player in the league. And especially with fantasy, like Reyes as a shortstop coming to the league and by age 22, 23 in 2005, 2006, you know, he was getting over 60 steals um, a season. He was starting to, you know, score well over 100 runs a year. He was He was this player that in fantasy had so much value because he could almost, you know, win you stolen bases by himself, runs by himself. He batted for a pretty high batting average those first several years. And then, you know, doubles for a shortstop. He was in the mid-30s for several years there. He could really swing the ball. You know, not the biggest home run hitter, but even in 2006, he had some pop. He had 19 home runs. I remember him having a three-home run game. So for me as a kid... Reyes was one of these, you know, one of the best shortstops in the league. And again, as a kid growing up in Little League, shortstop's where you want to play. That's the sexy position. Um, The best players play shortstop, they pitch. Um, He was one of the better shortstops during the game. It was him, it was Jeter, it was a few other names like Jimmy Rollins, who's on the ballot with him today. And although he didn't sustain that greatness for his entire career, and we'll probably talk about that during his 20s in New York, he was one of the better players in the National League, one of the best shortstops in the league. And I think people forget about that because after he leaves New York, you know, his career is never quite the same as he bounces around from Miami to Toronto to Colorado. And then finally, uh, back to the Mets. But I also, you brought up him and David Wright, like in Mets history, as I kind of looked at this, and I didn't know this off the top of my head, Matt, I had to go look at this, but where he ranks in Mets history is is, is is higher than I would think in a lot of different metrics here. I mean, the Mets have been around for quite some time now. Um, you know, runs, hits, doubles, total bases. He's second all time in Mets history, triple stone bases. He's a clear number one. And even in war where he's not like, you know, I, I think his war number is advanced metrics are probably where he takes the biggest hit when it comes to a Hall of Fame candidacy, 37.4 career war. With the Mets, he was 28.2. That's still good for fifth by a positional player in Mets history. And my question to you, Matt, a completely unfair question to give you completely unprepared on your end, but is Jose Reyes a top 10 Mets player in Mets franchise history?
1: I think if we're just talking position players, yes. Um, especially because like the Mets have had a lot of good players over the years. I think the thing yeah. that differentiates guys like Reyes and Wright is the fact that a lot of those really good players haven't had a ton of longevity within their tenures with the organization. Uh, So I think that's where Jose comes into play, especially when we talk, we're going to talk about his peak from like 05 to 08. Um, He is very clearly still like I was on another podcast a little while ago. We were talking about all time Mets lineup until maybe like another like year or two. He's still like the best all-time shortstop in franchise history before Lindor takes over Mm -hmm. um but still even until up until 2022 Lindor broke his uh shortstop franchise shortstop record for RBI in a season he broke his uh war record for shortstop in a season for franchise record so I mean uh he's was able to do it in those particular years and then he did it multiple times he had multiple five war seasons um I think when it comes to just position players, yeah, hundred percent, he's up there. And because he was able to be really good, but also put together consecutive seasons of being able to do that, and he had the the opportunity of having the majority of his career uh, with the Mets to be able to accumulate some of those um, some of those cumulative statistics, like like you mentioned, triples. He's got 113. He's got just about double what Mookie Wilson had. Same thing in stolen bases. He had over 400 stolen bases, uh, which is tops in franchise history. And Mookie had like 280-something, I think. So, I mean, you know, he had the the opportunity of the, the chance to accumulate and also be with the Mets during the prime part of his career to have those big seasons as well, too, to get a little bit of uh, the best of both worlds.
0: So, Matt, I want to move to our next segment here. We call this That Memorable Moment. for any new time listeners, uh, this is this can go any way we really want it to, but it's trying to pinpoint an exact like, hey, this is this player's most memorable moment. So it could be a single play you saw, a game, a stretch of a season, a playoff series. It could even be an entire season if you really want it to be. For Jose Reyes, man, I'm interested. What did you come up with for his most memorable moment?
1: Well, there are a couple. And like I've already referenced his that peak, that 05 to 08 peak. You know, he he led the league in stolen bases three times. He led the league in steals and uh, um, stolen bases three times and triples three times. He never had fewer than 50 steals in a season, fewer than 12 triples in a season. So, like, that peak was really, really amazing for him right there. But I think the one specific moment was uh, game six of the 2006 NLCS. Mets were back at Shea, down 3-2 in the series to the Cardinals. He walks up in the bottom of the first, hits a leadoff home run to give the Mets a lead, a lead they held for the entire game. They gave up a couple runs in the top of the ninth, but they ended up winning 4-2 to force game seven. Uh, And I think for someone like him, you know, in 2006 as a 23-year-old, he had his first all-star caliber performance that particular season. Like, that was – that was one of those moments where it's like, yeah, like this kid, this kid is the future. He's already kind of, you know, planting his flag as being that October type of performer that you would need in New York. Um, and without him, he set that tone, kind of got Shay going, uh, got it rocking a little bit, and like kind of helped everyone's mood probably shift from nervousness to more excitement. And it's much easier playing in October when you're playing with a lead instead of trying to come from behind, especially when you're behind in a series. So I think You know, thinking about the totality of his Mets tenure, I feel like that is the most memorable one, especially because I'm sure for lots of Mets fans, I was one of them thinking, even though they lost that series, like this is just the beginning of what's supposed to be really a great period in franchise history, although it didn't end up that way. But when he did at that moment, it felt like it was the start of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, any, any time a, a baseball player is a great postseason moment like that, even though, you know, it wasn't in the world series. And it, at the end of the day, that's not what the end result was. Um, that really does stand out. That's what I had down for Rays as well. The only other thing Matt, I wanted to bring up, because I just found this very interesting and a little hard, hard to believe here. Uh, but I came across this in, in the 2006 season, which, I think it so was Rays' best season. You know, he finished seventh in MVP that year, won a silver slugger, all-star. He's 23 years old, shortstop. Led the NO in triples, stolen bases that year. Had 19 home runs. That was his best pop. 81 RBIs, 300 batting average. Great year. Um, but the year's not really what I want to talk about in totality. I want to talk about this stretch he had from uh, May through August. So May through August... He had a game where he had five hits, which is fine, but that happens all the time. But uh, he had a five-hit game on May 5th against the Braves. Then in June against the Reds, he hits for the cycle. And then in August, he has a three-home run game against the Phillies. Now, all three of these games, unfortunately, are losses for the Mets. But again, (laughs) he has a five-hit game in May, a cycle in June, and then a three-home run game uh, against the Phillies in August, okay? Okay. So he's only the second Met to ever have done all of those things in a career with the Mets. Mm. But this is the crazy part, Matt. He's the only player in MLB history to do all three of those things in a single season. Wow. And that, and that blew my mind. That, that just <laughs> is a, is, I mean, the cycle, of course, is the super rare part of that. But the fact that he is the only one, a shortstop, which I wouldn't say he had the most pop right he, he had a little but not the most and he had the three home run game so cycle three home run game and a five hit game all in a season only player in mob history i found that extremely shocking to be honest hmm. but i think it also shows the versatility of his skill set he could kind of do a little of everything
1: yeah yeah i had no idea about that i mean i knew he did those those things i didn't realize he did them in uh, in one particular season let alone was that like a four-month stretch A four-month
0: like month s- stretch yeah
1: pretty insane yeah that's that's unreal
0: yeah and, and i bet we could if you really want to cherry pick right that season he had 64 steals i bet he had a couple games where he had two or three steals throw that metric in there as well makes the distance even higher if anyone achieves it um they can just be like well he did this steal thing too but no i found that super interesting and again his versatility. Um, at the shortstop position as a hitter, um, I, I just think that, again, that stands out. Yes, it's it's random. Uh, yes, that doesn't mean he's better than players that haven't done that. Of course, that's not the case. But that 2006 season was super special. And again, he was only 23 years old, I'm sure. Any Mets fan at that point, looking at someone doing all of that 23, you're like, his, his future could not be brighter. And I think that's what we all thought. Um, Back in 2006. And again, he still had many great seasons ahead of him from there. Um, but that was, I would say, maybe his standout regular season that 2006 year. Uh, and, and that kind of four month stretch there um, really was, I think, pretty special. But I do want to move to the next segment, Matt. We call this and twins. And what we do here is we look at Cooperstown today. We look at who is a plaque already in Cooperstown. And we try our best to say, you know, there's never an identical twin, but who's the twin of Jose Reyes here? So this might be a little tough. I have a couple names down, but I'm very interested to see who you came up with. Who do you say his twin is, Matt? And again, this can be the way they played the game. It can be their number strictly. It can be a mix of both. It can really be whatever you want. Who's his twin?
1: Well, I also thought of a couple as well, too. But the one that I felt like that landed on that was most similar in my mind and mostly from like a counting metric standpoint was Barry Larkin. Okay, Um, Obviously, Larkin has the more accolades, probably like probably about double or maybe a little under double his uh, career war. But, you know, we look at hits, doubles, triples, homers, uh, RBI, things like that is pretty comparable. They both had over 2000 hits. Um, they both had about 400 doubles. Uh, Reyes beat him in the triples department, 131 to 76. Uh, Larkin beat him in homers, but it wasn't too much of a disparity. It was 198 to 145. Um, runs scored. They both were a little over 1100. Um, and they and their career OPS wasn't all that different. Uh, Larkin was 815 and Reyes was 761. Um, the one area where it seems as if Reyes has mostly, at least for the few that I looked up that he, uh, fell more considerably short within the RBI category with this one for Larkin specifically. He was at 960 career RBI while Reyes was at 719. So um, outside of the those extra accolades, the extra, the World Series, the MVP, all the all-star appearances, silver sluggers, gold gloves, I felt like, you know, at least with also the way that they played the game, especially with shortstop, I mean, Larkin has that 30-30 season, which I think was in 1996. So, I mean, that is an outlier as well, too. But outside of that, like, he didn't have, like, a, a necessarily a – huge home run season outside of that so like he was still consistent you know double digit maybe like uh, um uh like breaking 20 a couple of times or something like that but um it was one of those things where they kind of did a little bit of everything well uh and and i felt like that was uh it probably the closest comparison in my mind at least especially from more the more recent generations uh for for these two
0: I really like that comp. I think the big thing that stands out, obviously, is, you know, Barry Larkin, when it comes to wars, is, is going to crush Reyes. And mm. a lot of it comes from the defensive side, where Larkin had a, a fairly good glove, three gold gloves. And if you look at any defensive advanced metrics, he grades out fairly well there. Um, where Jose Reyes, you know, never won a gold glove and uh, does not grade out well from a defensive advanced metrics. And again, I, I've said this on this of a million times, and I'll continue to say it, like, I don't know if I fully buy into every defensive metric out there. I, I think a lot of it's still imperfect. However, there usually seems to be a pretty strong correlation with the defenders I think are the best from what I've seen um to what the metrics are saying. So I think that there's some, you know, there's definitely some importance to to look at them and 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 take them in consideration. But Matt, I guess you probably watched a lot more Jose Reyes playing shortstop than I ever did. Um, definitely as a kid, I was not focusing on defense as much as I cared about offense, but I'm a right. child of the steroid air. So I think that's fair. Um, but Matt, from watching him probably a lot more than I did, how was he as a defender? I mean, was, would you say he was average uh, above average, lower than average Did your defensive metrics kind of do him dirty? What is your take on that? Cause I think that's a big knock against Reyes and why his war is maybe a lot lower than some of the other shortstops out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think his, glove i mean i i don't have any proof of this with regard to the metrics because i haven't looked at the defensive metrics but i feel like you know in his earlier years he was a better defender than he was in his in his later years because yep. of his speed he had that in a quick first step he had pretty decent range he had a really strong arm um and it was something that you know he was most i would say maybe he's like slightly above average like i I never felt as if he, he wasn't necessarily like a prime Ray Ordonez out there or something like that. Sure. Um, but he was certainly not a, um, a net negative out there uh, at shortstop, which is, you know, a pretty crucial defensive position. It felt like, you know, he, especially with him and right on the, on the, on the left side of the infield when they were both in their prime, you know, it was, you know, it was a pretty good duo over there kind of locking those positions down. So, um, I felt like he was a decent fielder. I'm not surprised that he didn't take home many gold gloves throughout his career, just based off, you know, the era that he played in the other shortstops that, you know, were playing in the national league at that time. Um, but I would say, you know, early on, you know, from like 2003 to, you know, 2008 or nine, he was probably, I would say he was a plus defender, but then age injuries, you know, he did have to deal with injuries throughout his career. Um, uh, that stuff probably played a role into him kind of not having the overall metrics that look favorable. And I agree with you, that ended up killing his overall war.
0: Yeah. And and I'm just now spotting, checking it here. Like you're, what you're saying is almost dead on, like early in his career with the Mets um, he actually grades out pretty well defensively. If you're looking at uh, things like defensive war um, or fielding runs, he's, he's, in the positives and pretty positive. But yeah, after it looks like 2010. So almost his whole Mets career, he's pretty good. But after 2010, it starts tanking. He's in the negatives across then. That, that really drags him, drags him down near the end of it here. So it looked like, yeah, early in his career when his speed was peak, he was a fairly good defender. Um, at least again, from defensive metrics, which I think are imperfect, but near the end of his career, like the back half it gets pretty, pretty rough. And again, I don't remember him playing, you know, in Toronto as much or Colorado as much or his second stint with the Mets. Um, but I think that's how a lot of people go. And I think that's fair. But yeah, with Larkin, again, his metrics are way off the charts compared to Reyes. And then I think the other thing about uh, Larkin, he walked a lot more than Reyes. Reyes, you know, hit for a good average 283 for his career, but his on-base was was fairly low at 334, and he didn't walk much. But um, and as a leadoff hitter, you know, especially in today's game, you don't like to see that, but I don't know if that was being asked of him as much back when he was playing. So the names I have down here, madam I'm curious what you think here. So the first one, uh, not a shortstop, but just how they played the game. I had Lou down, um, mm. who of course is a 3000 hit club guy, um, played great in, in the world series for the Cardinals, um, you know, had 938 stolen bases, was just stealing out of his mind, just, you know, second to Ricky Henderson. But if you look at them, it's interesting, right? Like, war-wise, Brock's only a 45.3, Rays is a 37.4. So, and and Brock played in about 800 more games. So, when when you start to have that war discussion, just to crush Rays, okay, he's only eight lower there. Um, And then, of course, like stolen base, all the counting stats – You know, Brock's killing him because he played so much longer. But like their batting averages are very similar. They're on base percentage, which I think is another, you know, weakness of Reyes, as I just said, almost exactly the same. And then Reyes had a better slugging percentage and an OPS, and their OPS pluses are almost identical. But why I really gravitate to Brock is because of the triples. Um, We talked earlier, you know, Reyes, great base stealer and hit triples. And I and I always think back to like when Theo Epstein and, and team were trying to figure out, you know, how do you make baseball more exciting? You kept hearing, right, like, what's the most exciting plays in baseball? It's like it's a triple, it's a stolen base. Like, how do we how do we get more of these? And Reyes did both of those well. Again, he's in the 500 stolen base, 100 triple club, quite easily on the triple front, um, and just barely on the stolen base front. Matt, trivia question for you, really quick. Don't spend too much time thinking about this because these aren't fair. I don't prepare you for them. Since integration, since 1947 when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, because back in the 1900s and everyone's hitting triples, it was crazy. The fields are huge. So since 1947, how many players across all positions, not just shortstops, all positions are a part of the 500-stolen base, 100-triple club since 1947? Off the top of your head. And Lou Brock is one of them.
1: I mean, I feel like it's got to be less than 10.
0: I would say seven. It's it, dead on. It's seven. Oh. <laughs> so it's three It's three Hall of Famers, Paul Molitor, Tim Raines, and Lou Brock. And then there's four more. It's Jose Reyes. It's Kenny Lofton. It's Brett Butler. And it's hmm. Willie, Willie Wilson. Wow. And I, what I will say about Reyes is he had more triples than all of those players I just named besides Lou Brock and Willie Wilson.
1: Mm. His
0: 131 triples is, is very high up there in terms of players since 1931. And then again, so so I had Lou Brock because of the triple stolen base club. I thought that was very interesting. And then I had to look at shortstops, just shortstops. And for this, I pulled off that 1947. No, I said history now, in history. And what I did here is I made another caveat, because that's what I do here. I did the 2,000-hit club, because Ray said over 2,000 hits, 100-triple club, and I wanted to make sure I included enough players in this club. I didn't want to make it too exclusive. So instead of 500 steals, I just dropped it down to 300 steals. So shortstops with 2,000 hits, 100 triples, 300 steals in the history of major league baseball how many players do you, how many shortstops i'm sorry do you think are a part of that club 2000 mm-hmm. hits 100 triples 300 steals baseball history i feel
1: like it's got to be less than the one we just talked about four
0: so it's seven and it's because oh, i dropped go. that mm-hmm. i dropped that 300 steals thing a bit and i and again i brought it back to now the 1800s you know, early 1900s yeah. count. Yeah. So seven players, shortstops. Morris Wagner, pretty, pretty, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. A shortstop by the name of George Davis, who ended his career in 1909. Bill Dalen, who ended his career in 1911. Tommy Corcoran, who ended his career in 1907. Ed McKeon, who ended his career in 1899. <laughs> and then just two players that you and I and our grandparents, anybody we know, have seen Jimmy Rollins and Jose Reyes, and that's wow. it. That's it. So, so again, if you're talking post 1947, it's just Jimmy Rollins and Jose Reyes. And again, if if you bring that stolen base number up to what we had before, 500 steals, not 300. So 2,000 hit, 100 triple, 500 steal club. Only person since 1947 is Jose Reyes. Mm. And if you talk all time. It's just Wagner, it's just George Davis, it's Bill Dalen, and it's Jose Reyes, just four players. So the reason I said all of this, one, to make Reyes sound really good, because my second, the only shortstop I can actually compare him to, where the numbers kind of check and the way they play check, is people from like the 1800s when people were hitting triples and that was George Davis, who's in the Hall of Fame. He had 2,600 hits, 619 stolen bases, 163 triples. Um, He wasn't a big home run hitter because no one was back then. He had a 295 career average. These are the kind of guys, if we're talking shortstops, I had to go back to. And the reason I say all this, Matt, is because Reyes is kind of this, like, kind of outlier of shortstops today. And Jimmy Rollins, you know, I don't think he's going to get in. So, like, there's not really just a shortstop like Reyes. He... Stole a lot of bags, he hit a lot of triples, he had a lot of hits. But he wasn't this, like, excellent glove like a lot of shortstops in the Hall are today. He didn't have insane pop that some of the new shortstops have today. He's kind of just on an island with himself. But again, some of these names I'm bringing up, these are some all-time names. And it's almost like Ray should have played in a different era or something. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, that's... It's a, I mean, when you do it that way, I mean, and that's like the age of social media and how like some recent Hall of Fame inductees have gotten in because, you know, people will share these ridiculous things on social media and it kind of like catches people's attention for people like Edgar Martinez and Larry Walker and like guys who like in generations past probably would have never sniffed the Hall of Fame. Um, but like you see, or able to like slice and dice just how good they were within the era that they played and like, you know, kind of put them on this pedestal where it's like, all right, like, you know, we've talked about it for the last, like, you know, half an hour or so how Reyes had this unique skill set, and he displayed it in a very unique way all at once. And then you kind of just put it in perspective as to how unique it was.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, again, you can slice dice anything and make it look good, but, when it comes to what race did good, you know, he got a lot of hits, hit a lot of triples, stole a lot of bags. He is a, he is kind of almost on his own island in terms of other short stops, not just contemporaries of when he played, but all time uh, of doing that. And It happens to be, you know, some players that are some all time names, but again, right? Sure. He's in that club with Hornets Wagner, but Wagner also had, of course, 3400 hits and you know he had 643 doubles and had 1700 rbis so obviously they're not the same player but it's the company they keep um in, in these kind of you know categories we don't care about as much about maybe triple stone bases uh and, and Reyes is a little special in that department so i want to call that out and Just let everyone know I had to go back to the 1800s to find someone I felt could compare at the shortstop position. But again, I feel good about the Lou Brock one and I really like your Barry Larkin comp because I think the Barry Larkin one's really fair um, and it makes a lot of sense. But Matt, I do want to move to our final segment here. We call this court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And what we do here is what we've been doing kind of throughout this podcast. We talk about the pros and cons of Reyes, and I have kind of one last quiz for you before I I, I throw out some lists for you. So, um, let's talk just shortstops of the twenty first century, right? So, um, really shortstops that played a majority of their career, uh, in since the year two thousand, um. I want to I want to see like you know where Reyes ranks in the last you know twenty three years or so in terms of some key categories. So, if I asked you, you know Matt, when it came to hits in the twenty first century, all shortstops twenty first century, where do you think Reyes lands on the list of like top hits guys when it comes to shortstop two thousands? What who would you say? twenty uh... first so century.
1: I don't want to say like, um, like eighth or ninth.
0: Fourth. Fourth.
1: Wow. Only I'm people surprising. ahead of
0: him. Only people ahead of him. Jeter, Jimmy Rollins, Miguel Tejada, then Reyes. Wow. All right. Um, doubles. Not something I, um, you know, associate with Reyes that much, but he did smack a good amount of doubles, good amount of extra base hits in his career since 2000 double shortstops. Where where is he land? Third. Sixth. So it's Rollins and Jeter, two Cambreras and Tejada ahead of him. <laughs> um triples. Where do you think he lands? Um, I feel I'm gonna
1: say just default to first. First.
0: Stone bases. Mm. Second. First. Okay. And then war war. Where again we've talked about not his strong suit here. Sixth, eleventh, okay. So some of the some of the new guys who are still very much you know like Correa, Simmons, they're they Lindor, they're all ahead of him already, yeah, um, yeah. which just show how good they are. But he's eleventh in twenty first century, um, and you know, and as I was looking through this, I, I was I was just thinking to myself. So in the nineties, right, shortstop wise, you know, we got. Ozzie Smith's wrapping up his career at the top of the 90s. Barry Larkin's, you know, in his peak. Alan Trammell's rat- racking up his career. Cal Ripken, you know, is not his peak anymore, but still playing excellent short. But those are four Hall of Famers that, you know, either play in the 90s or are wrapping up their career in the 90s. In the 21st century right now, the only Hall of Famer we have is Jeter. And I don't really feel like there's this sure bet you know second shortstop um that's a hall of famer that's retired already now there's a lot playing right now who i think have a great trajectory but i thought i thought it was just interesting because i was like man he ranks kind of high on these but the players that are coming after him on these lists rollins dehada orlando cabrera Thanks. those aren't guys that are you know um you know easy hall of fame candidates rollins on the ballot you know dehada fell off right away Orlando Cabrera, I believe, that fell off after first ballot. Um, you know, these aren't these, like, surefire things. And even the guys coming on the ballot, coming up, like Tulewitzki, uh, Hanley Ramirez. By no means are those guys guys that might even stay on the ballot for a year. So it's weird because I always think shortstop is a like marquee position. But I have Reyes pretty high up here in the rankings. So what I want to do here is not, now I'm not talking about 21st century, but just talk about his contemporaries. When Reyes was playing, who is better and i have a long list here uh so you have a tall task i i'm putting you to work here today matt i have, <laughs> I have a tall task for you so how this game is going to work i'm going to name a shortstop that played at least 5 years overlapping with um with, with Reyes here and you're going to tell me um you know, if if Reyes is better, you're going to say Reyes. If you think the player I'm naming is better, you're going to say that player. So, you know, for instance, the first player I'm going to say is Derek Jeter. I, I believe you're going to say Jeter unless, unless, the, unless the Mets fandom is just too much for you here.
1: Uh, no, I would say Jeter as well. My hometown bias is not that
0: stark. <laughs> okay, so that's how we're going to play the game, okay? I have a number of players. I just want to see where he ranks in terms of the players that were really the main shortstops during his era, okay? Okay. All right. So Derek Jeter. Obviously Jeter. Okay. Jimmy Rollins. I guess. I guess Rollins. Okay.
1: Although Orlando. That say
0: that. Orlando Cabrera. Reyes. Miguel Tejada. Tejada. Uh, Omar Vizquel. Reyes. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> uh, Egnor Renneria. Reneria. Renneria. Wow. I love Renneria. I got to do a Yeah, pod he's like
1: there. underrated, man. Uh, he's
0: very underrated. I got to do a pod of him. Uh, Hanley Ramirez. Hanley. Okay. Love this name. I-, I pulled out some names here. Uh, Juan Urebe, er, Uribe. I haven't said that name in forever. Juan
1: Uribe. Uribe.
0: Uribe, yes. I think of him in a Colorado Rockies jersey immediately.
1: <laughs> what the 2015 met too?
0: Uh, I, he was on the Mets. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say Reyes there, Starlin Castro, Reyes, Rafael Furkel. Ooh,
1: that's a tough one.
0: Uh, for Cal. Alex Gonzalez, Reyes, Ian Desmond, Reyes, Troy Tulowitzki. Too low. J.J. Hardy. Reyes. Brandon Crawford. Hmm, he's a tricky one.
1: I'll say Reyes.
0: Okay, and then the last one—I haven't said this guy's name forever either, but I, I wrote him down. You're gonna have to help me, Giant Shortstop. Before Crawford, Rich Aurelia. Yeah, Rich Aurelia. Yeah. He had some power for a few seasons there. What about he him? He
1: did. He did. Yeah. Like he was overshadowed by Barry Bonds. I he think was. Like, It was like 2001 Everyone was. was a big one.
0: Him and Kent, man, were mashing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing they didn't win anything with them. Exactly. Uh, so that's the last one. Who do you got there? I'm going to go. Hmm, that's is just, top of your, is just top of your head. We were not I'm... looking at numbers or anything right now. No,
1: no, no. no I'm not looking at anything. Got uh, instinct.
0: Uh, like. Yeah. I'm going to say Reyes. Okay. So I just named a laundry list of shortstops. And again, these are a lot of big names. I I vividly remember watching, liking. A number of these guys made one or two all-star games, some many more. They were splitting a lot of the times. But again, Jeter is that big name. And then everyone else is kind of competing for other accolades across the years here. Um, so out of all those people we named, um, let's see here. So we have one, two, three, four, five. So we have him ranked like the eighth shortstop, basically, of the first kind of 15 years or so of the 2000s. Because again, the Lindors, they're all coming later. I'm not correct. I'm not counting them here. Mm -hmm. Again, yes, they overlapped a little bit, but not enough. So he's kind of, again, like the eighth best shortstop of the air. And, And something I always do when I'm doing these pods is like, was a guy a top five shortstop? Um, or a top five at his position during his air, and right now we have him kind of falling out here. And to be fair, I think the only again Derek Jeter's the Hall of Famer there, and I think honestly, I know Tulowitzki had a huge peak here, but I, I he's gonna. I don't want to spoil a future episode, but I don't know about him. Jimmy Rollins, you know, is fighting to stay on the ballot this year. He's he's right now trending just over ten percent of the ballot. Um, you know, there might only be and we'll make the verdict on Reyes in a second, but there will only be one Hall of Fame shortstop over that period, which, again, is fine throughout baseball history. Sometimes there's only one Hall of Famer at a position for a given time, but that does seem like a long period of time. I think I think I would want to say is, I know we did the rankings here, and I know you put a number of people over um, Reyes, but I would say it's like Derek Jeter, and then there's a pretty substantial gap And then I think all these guys are pretty cluttered around each other because I think for the most part, most of these names you had to pause for a second and think about before giving me your answer. I think there's Derek Jr. There's a huge drop off. And then all these players are kind of in this grouping together. And I think, Matt, if I asked, you know, seven or eight random people, I think everyone would maybe have those players in the same grouping, but they probably mix and match in terms of who's where. And then again, if I actually gave you a little time to look at numbers, you could even maybe come back to me with slightly different ones. But I do think if we're just looking at shortstops from that air, it's Jeter, and then it's kind of Rollins Tejada, and then like everyone else. Yeah. And I guess when you look back at it, is that I mean, I was like it's not surprising when I look at all this now. But is it a little surprising you're thinking about, yeah, during my childhood, I not your childhood, but just during your like early years of baseball fandom there was really only kind of one marquee shortstop? Because to me, it felt like there was a ton, but each of these guys kind of had their years like Reyes and then kind of didn't anymore. Is this surprising to you at all now looking at it?
1: Yeah, I think in the the context of hindsight, I was kind of thinking that in my head too as we were going through it. Because like, you know, when we were younger like middle school high school like early 2000s late 1990s like you think of I think of like was like a Sports Illustrated cover like that shirtless cover with like Jeter yes. and A-Rod no and, more. No Mar, yep. and, and, and Alex Gonzalez I think maybe too so it's like you know you think it's like it felt like it was like kind of like a golden age for like shortstops it's like that young that were young players that kind of were like you know power ripping came and kind of like broke the mold and then like this new revolution was starting for shortstops and the fact that only one of them is ending up in the hall of fame. And like, it's like the only one probably for a little while, like, yeah, that's pretty surprising to think about.
0: All right. So before we go to final Virg, Matt, there is one thing I do want to comment on. Cause I don't want to, I don't want us to act like it just didn't happen and we're glossing over it. But you know, during the 2015, 60 off season race was charged with domestic violence Um you know, it, it was with his, I believe, wife. Um and I think the commissioner at the time, he was put on an administrative leave for a while. He was spending it uh for uh, without pay for a while. This was he was on the Rockies, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all that happened, he came back to the Mets. Um and, and I guess, you know, when we look at Kansas, I know like there's several players on the ballot actually that have unfortunately domestic violence tied to their resume uh does i believe um i think andrew jones does i believe when you're looking at someone's hall of fame cast you're just someone's career mad and even just the hall of fame voters as they vote this is i mean there's the character clause and everything um i mean how much does how much does off the baseball diamond stuff impact how you look at a player's career or even his hall of fame candidacy?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, it impacts it. I don't want to say a significant portion. I think it depends on the situation. Like, like this is different from say, you know, talking about steroids or something like of that, course. obviously much more in my eyes, much more serious than something like taking steroids. They have their own implications and risks separately. Mm-hmm. Um, But I mean, it, it plays a role. Like I remember when, it all happened, and then he eventually came back to the Mets. And we talked about this before we hopped on. Like if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure the Mets were really the only team willing to take him back because of his prior standing with the organization, too. Um, and he didn't do anything wrong when he came back. But like as a fan, especially for someone who really looked up to him as a young ball player when he first came up, like it was. It was a tough sell. Like it was nice to have him back, but kind of like knowing that that happened, it was was like a, it kind of just definitely put a damper on a little bit. And it's kind of hard for me to kind of just look back and like not forget that that happened. Um, And you ask somebody else and they'll say something different. And yes, people deserve second chances and things like that. But you know, like, that's th- that's the kind of thing that should not be happening at all. So, I mean, when I think about Jose Reyes and the Mets, like, I typically try and just think of that, that first portion, that first tenure of his, his first run with the team. Um, that's the Jose I'd like to actually remember. Like, you know, obviously it was nice that he was able to end his career and give David Wright a hug in 2018 when they kind of, like, kind of semi both rode off into the sunset and things like that. But, I mean, when it comes to someone in his situation here, like, I was going to mention it in my case for uh, him not being a Hall of Famer because like, you know, when you're already kind of like on the bubble, I'm not saying that he's on the bubble, but like if you're not a surefire dude, like it's going to be, it's going to be harder for all the other voters to overlook that kind of stuff. Um, And whether that's right or wrong is, is another conversation for another day. But for me, like it's, it's hard to look past that.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's definitely a stain on his record, and it's unfortunate that there is a number of players on the ballot that that do have. You know, again, they're all different insta- instances of, of course, but it's all still domestic violence. It's it's really sad, and and it, again, it is something that gets brought up. And, and Matt, I think you make a really good point. Um, you know, if if and this is this sounds terrible, but like if you're a better player, I feel like people might, you know. Look past it, but when you're on a bubble, you're not this great player. Um, yeah, I mean, that's an easy thing to uh, point to and be like, Of course, we're not voting for this guy, he's you know, that's on his record. But I do want to move to final verdict. Um, this is where I ask you two questions, then I answer them the same. Um, first question for you, Matt, is you know, do you think like if you had a Hall of Fame vote, would you check the box next to Jose, Jose Reyes's name? Do you believe he's a Hall of Famer? And the second question is, you know, do you think he would ever get into the Hall of Fame?
1: If I were a voter, which would be cool to eventually have one day, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I would probably I would not vote for him just because while his peak was I felt like his peak was an elite peak. You know, we've I've mentioned like the 05 to 08 seasons like that's where like I feel like was really like peak Reyes. I don't feel like his peak was long enough. And, you know, like we've talked about David Wright in the past, like he actually had an elite peak, but then like nothing else beyond that. Uh, Whereas Reyes, peak was just really short. And even during that peak, like, yes, he led the league in steals and triples and had a silver slugger, but I just don't think there's enough. Extra accolades like we've mentioned Barry Larkin. Another person that I thought was that I was considering for a twin was Alan Trammell just because their counting sounds yeah. really similar. Yep, um, but then even him, like he had all those, he had World Series title, I think it like World Series MVP, Silver Sluggers, Gold Gloves, things like that. Um, I mean, Reyes has an interesting case in the in like his standing within Mets history. Like I said before, he's right now before Lindor comes along and passes him. Is unequivocally the best shortstop in franchise history. Had a bunch of records, single season and 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 career long records within the franchise. And I think you know, I feel like we've talked about this in the past too. When you do stuff like that for a more, I don't want to say more noble franchise, but in a more noble media market, I guess you know people take more notice to that. But he didn't really make it to the postseason very often, outside of like a couple of really good moments. He didn't do very much beyond that. So just don't think he did enough. Plus the defensive conversation we had and the war, like it's there, are too many things going against him to have a legitimate case to not only just get into the Hall of Fame, but even stick around for more than a year on the ballot.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it, it's it's a no as well. Like really fun player, um, you know, early in his career. If you asked me back in the mid two thousands, I'd be like, yeah, this guy seems like he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. But, it, you know, as I've said throughout, like, you know, throughout his Mets tenure, he was fairly good defensively. And, um, you know, he was putting up some really good offensive numbers. But really, after he left the Mets, um, his career really, you know, didn't play out as well as it was in New York. And, um, you know, the counting stats, they're they're fine, but they're, they're not exactly there in some categories you'd want to see, uh, you know, triples. I, I raved about them earlier and they're fun and stolen bases are fun. But honestly, Matt, like, I don't know if people care about triples and stolen bases as much as they care about most like triples. Like I love triples, but honestly, I think people are less impressed when someone leaves the league in triples for, you know, three years, than someone leading the league in doubles. I think people are just more familiar with doubles. You think of the better hitters having doubles. You, just, you think of the speed guys having triples but I'm a huge sucker for triples. I don't think everyone is, but I am. But no, I don't think the or the accolades fully aren't there. You know, seventh was the highest he ever efficient MVP vote. Um, and then, yeah, if you're looking at advanced metrics, he's nowhere near the case. So uh, he's a no from me as well. And will he ever get in? Um, no, we 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 are we are looking at the, um, again, there's about 100 and something votes that have been um finalized and published publicly uh he has zero votes right now matt and uh we all know you need at least five percent to stay on the ballot uh we know he's gonna fall off after this year so it'll be up to a veterans committee and there's a lot of great players waiting to get in the hall of fame um he would be way 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 down the list i couldn't imagine unless triples become in the future just valued beyond all belief and you're like who is this guy who had all those triples that would be the only way but uh or the formula for war changes and like stolen bases and triples are just like the best thing outside of that happening. He's not going to get in, but again, a very great player in the two thousands, a very great met all time. And just someone kind of too fun as a player um, at shortstop, not to talk about um, before he, again, he falls off the ballot and then kind of, you know, maybe falls out of our minds and in history. And I, I guess my last question before we get you out of here, Matt, like, And maybe I'm I'm blind to this. Jose Reyes, does he have a chance of getting his number retired by the Mets, do you think? Or is that probably not going to happen? I mean, I
1: think if there was no domestic violence issue, I think it would be a much more compelling case. But even when we talk about Mets history, there's still, even since Cohen has come on and has retired a a handful of numbers, I think he's retired three since he's become owner. There's still a backlog. We got Doc and Daryl are getting retired this year. People are still gonna be talking about um Gary Carter, David Wright, you know, it's things like that. I think maybe down the road there's potentially a case, but um my guess would be probably not.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. But a great player, nonetheless. One of our, you know, as we tell our grandkids one day, Matt, about our fantasy teams in the 2000s, because that's what <laughs> probably old people will talk about then. We're talking about Jose Reyes and all the steals and triples of the game. But Matt, as always, had a blast having you on. Before I get you out of here, anything you want to plug here at the end, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at mmusico8 or X, whatever you want to call it, I guess. Uh, Also still working diligently on MLB Daily Dingers, uh, sharing home runs every single day throughout the off-season on uh, X and Instagram. Also getting the the blog ready for the upcoming season seems like uh, it becomes a helpful tool for Immaculate Grid users. uh, So if you want to study up before the next grid comes out, uh head over and take a peek at some of the home run and RBI categories we got going on and those various articles that that are uh, up on the site and still adding stuff every week to to help people get ready to crush the grids every day.
0: Everyone go check out Matt, he does great work. Matt has always loved having you on. Uh, have a great new year and um I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, likewise man. Thanks a lot. All right, I want to thank Matt again for coming on the podcast today to talk about Jose Reyes. That is all we have for you today. So if you don't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, where you listen to podcasts. Follow our Twitter at Pod of Fame. You've done all of that. You've done your homework. We will talk to you again on Friday for a Hall of Fame Market Watch. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Take care.